Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast. We discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TempleofGeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. Hello. How it do? Listen, we're doing. We're making money moves. That's right. Well... Uh, last time we we had figured out our technical difficulties. This time our goal is to figure out our schedules. So, uh, <laughs> well, we'll between my travel and your travel, it's like it's one of us is. is in another state or another country. Yeah. So it's been a challenge, but I think it's gonna settle down a little bit now that we're I coming close so. to the holidays. I hope so, and I and I and it will. And so I appreciate all of you that are listening that. Uh, just know that Fridays we will release sometimes every Friday, sometimes every other Friday, sometimes once a month. Uh, but we will we will continue to record and release for you guys. Yeah. So horrible. We like to keep it. <laughs> we, we like to keep you on your toes there. Keep checking back. The depression, sad face. Oh, there's nothing released this week. There will be, and we're excited. This is true. We're very excited, and yeah. we have a fantastic topic that has I do, legs. I agree. So you've got something to look forward to. That's right. That is exactly right. And to come back to every year if you'd like. Um, but first off, as usual, let's talk about what we've been playing. So what have you been doing? What have you been playing? Listen, Amanda? I've been playing Anthem, and I think I love it a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the things about Destiny that I hate doesn't seem to be a problem with Anthem. And this is contrary to some of the criticism and reviews that I've seen out there and I take those criticisms on the chin like look Anthem is not a fully developed immersive story environment compared to other things that Bioware has done this is not their best in terms of RPG however it is so satisfying to begin to understand the type of Um, missions and stuff that your character can do and how long they typically take to where you can actually get something accomplished in one single session and I find that so satisfying especially with how busy you know people like us tend to be the older you get you have responsibilities all sorts like that and you can go in and complete a mission in 30 minutes and actually achieve something, get some loot, learn some lore, whatever, and it's very satisfying. And I tell you what, flying around in that little suit is super fun. Uh, if you play the Storm Javelin, which has like electrical and fire powers, you can hover 
that is so satisfying and it's like a near unlimited hover like they really let you go in on the hovering which is so fun and <laughs> really brings like a different level to the combat because a lot of things I don't like about shooters especially more open world style shooters is I don't like when creatures sneak up on me I find it like kind of stressful so when you're heading into combat and you know the mission tells you you're getting close you know that you're heading into enemy territory being able to hover and stay above it so creatures can't sneak up on you um specifically when they jump on my character i find that stressful i'm generally afraid of large dogs there's several dog-like characters in this um in the creature world of of uh anthem and i find it scary when they jump on me so when i realized the javelin could hover brilliant um and you know when you use your ultimate power you feel really powerful the enhancements and you know the creative stuff that you can do to your character is interesting but you don't really feel the need to like buy into the micro economy at least i haven't so far because you can do missions and unlock um specific like looks and stuff for your character that you would want that are just as good as the ones that you you know might pay a premium currency for or whatever um and some of the characters that you interact with the npcs are pretty well developed and have interesting and unique personalities although i will say the decision trees to talk to them are only two options so it's really really binary and you kind of get the point of what you're supposed to be saying i don't really feel like you can make a whole lot of choice or that your choice even really matters um but it is a beautiful game it controls beautifully in my opinion uh everything oh and it automatically tries to put you into a matchmaking session but if you can't find someone after a certain amount of time it just loads the instance for you as a solo instance which i think is great and the people that you play with are not intrusive or anything like that you know because voice seems to be disabled which i actually kind of like um (laughs) because the freelancers have like a one-on-one connection with the person who's like feeding them the mission details so it kind of makes sense that you wouldn't really be talking to each other you're all your own independent teams so um it i really like it i think it's a great game that you can pick up play for 30 minutes play like a longer they have like these um like dungeon style missions that you can do and they take maybe about an hour an hour and a half But nothing is unachievable in a single setting. And I think that's really great for, like, pick up and play. And so far, I've been playing it pretty continuously for, say, maybe three weeks now. So um, it's pretty good. I pick it up maybe every couple of days um, on the weekends. Obviously, play it a little bit longer. But, yeah, it's a great game. And I feel like it takes some finesse to play it properly you get like extra badges when you kill enemies in interesting and creative ways and like kind of use the full mix of um weaponry that you have so i really don't understand what people were so upset about because at the core for being a video game it is fun you know and sometimes i think we forget what just having fun actually playing the game feels like Right, right. Yeah, that well, you know what, that's a really good point and I think it's it's kind of turning everything what people have said from the beginning about that game kind of on its head. I don't know if it's just a, a an a side effect of outrage culture or whatever you want to call it, the fact that, you know, from what I saw of Anthem again and and I I was one of the 
I guess you could even call it a detractor from the beginning based only on what I had read. I haven't played the game yet. And I'm a huge fan of uh, that's a Bioware game. If yeah, I'm not it mistaken, is. Right. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Bioware. I'm a big fan of the games that they put out. I'm, I'm giving them a mulligan on Andromeda. And, uh, we're, you know, we're moving forward. Uh, they have a lot of goodwill with me, even though I know there is some there are some checkered things in their past. It's a game that I had always wanted to try. I have actually heard from people that I know, you included now, that good things. But everything that I had read talks about how vapid and empty, even though it's pretty, that it doesn't have a lot going on. And, and, I, and I think you're right, and especially in my circumstances, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and play. So even... You know, if it did have a lot of stuff to to happen or or that was going on in it and was really fleshed out, which apparently or supposedly it wasn't at the beginning or in the beginning. um, I don't know that I would have noticed as much because I really don't have time to do every single thing and turn over every rock anyway. 30 minutes or 45 minutes and being able to actually get something done in game. That's right up my alley. You know, that's something that I would I could. So. It is a game I'd like to give it a try. I, I can't say the same for Fallout 76, but I can say that for for Anthem. Well, uh, the, that's a game. The, the reason to try it maybe is a change for things from Fallout 76. I feel like games like that, there's actually too much going on and none of it has much consequence. Here, there seem to be like three main groups and you do quests for them and earn like alliance points with each one of them i don't know if at some point you have to make a choice who you're gonna stand with probably but it makes so you know when you're walking through the fort there are other npcs who will talk to you and you'll form a relationship with them but they don't give you missions so you can do a full round of missions only talking to about five NPCs roughly in total and they'll give you all the missions that are available for that round you can go out and bang them out in order and come back and turn them all in that's very satisfying I enjoy that or you know you can just go pick up one do it you know in 20 minutes and then job done so I don't know I, I think it's worth picking up if it came on for like really good discount or whatever like I would have definitely paid money for this game not not full price because I think we need to acknowledge the fact that Bioware has made a completely out of character game for them. So if you're expecting right. like lots of decision trees and relationship forming and stuff like that's not really what's going to happen. It's very much a more linear shooter multiplayer experience, but it's cooperative multiplayer. It's I don't know, just there are a lot of things about it that I really like about the core mechanic, and I feel like a lot of games recently the core mechanics have sucked. Right. No, I yeah, I I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Just didn't catch me or, or weren't enjoyable. Um, well, you know, I over the last few weeks, I've I've dabbled in a lot of the games that I have been trying to play and finish. I started and stopped a few games. I downloaded uh, Qbert Rebooted, which is uh, was a uh, part of PlayStation Plus. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, basically is free, so I downloaded it and played it. Um, the controls are. I'm sure they're fine, uh, but in the limited time that I played it, I realized that it was much more difficult to to play Qbert. In fact, he was non-responsive 
uh, in my first two playthroughs. And so I was like, this is the worst. Um, I'd get stuck on a block and I couldn't move. And just waiting for, uh, you know, the and I can't remember the other characters in the game. You have the snake that's coiled up that bounces around. Kept landing on me. He's got a name, whatever it is. Uh, anyway. You're really testing my memory here, and I'm coming I know, Qbert. Well, I figured... I figured that if if uh, Nintendo's before your time, Qbert is going to be way out of your wheelhouse. So, uh, but yeah, I couldn't. I could not think of his name. And uh, and anyway, he didn't move. wasn't much fun. So uh, as I was searching through, I started. I, I I landed on Gears of War Five. I really wanted to download Gears of War Five. I don't know why, but I went and looked at the comment section and the ratings of it. And on Xbox Live, it has not got gotten a very good rating. Now really again, in this yeah, it's like a three five out of five or something mm. like that. And uh a a pretty game, yes. Uh I mean everything that I had seen It looks pretty, yeah. I was just yeah, thinking earlier does. today that I was gonna pick that up. Oh that's a shame. Well, I'm not saying that I that I won't get because it still has the couch co-op, and I kind of wanted to play with my son. I was like, he and I are going to play uh, because otherwise I don't get to play my Xbox because he's playing it. Um, and so I was figuring uh, this way parenting could, in 2019. Could, that's right. Well, I can commandeer it. I'd be like, hey, I'm I'm on it now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I figured this way we could both play, and I could play video games with him. But I, I do realize that I think some of the content is still a little mature for him. He's he's not quite 12 years old. Um, the language and just the overall violence, I'm like, ah, you know, we may wait. He's I mean, still, you know at school they're, like, talking worse language, though, like, just so you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that. But I also don't want to normalize it here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, and so eventually we'll get to it when I can say, hey, you know, this is a way people talk. It is not the way to talk. You know, this is a part of stuff that you kind of experience. And just Don't listen to Amanda. She curses like a sailor. She like a sailor. Exactly. This is a, a good example. You know what to do with it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. Anyway, I did not download it. I didn't get it. I'm going to wait on it. And uh, do a little bit more research before I buy it. Because it was full price. It was $60. And I was like, ah. Oh, forget it. I, Wait I, I a couple clinched. weeks. It'll be half the price anyway. Well, you're probably right. And to be completely honest, I actually did try to buy it. And for some reason, the transaction failed. And I said, this is a sign. I am not going to buy it right now. Oh, my God. You can't stop yourself. You said you were going to take a look at Gamefly. And you, how many years has yet. it been? Like, Three. honestly, think of how much money you could have saved yourself. Well, I could have saved myself a few hundred dollars for sure. Like, right off the top of my head, Division 2, you could keep that shit. I would not have bought that. And uh, I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2, how quick did I just give that back? I know it. And I and I got it, and every now and then I turn it on just to realize. Hate yourself. I, to, well, to, I, I get this overwhelming feeling of anxiety. I'm like, oh, my God, there's no way. I've got to ride 10 minutes to get to. Nope. And then I just turn it right back off. <laughs> so all that to say, I, I did. I turned back on the PlayStation. And, and normally, much like Netflix, I'll just flick through Netflix and, and add a bunch of things to my list and then not watch it at all. You're one of those like people. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah. My list only has things I watch. Well, my list only has things that I want to watch uh, that I will eventually get back to. Of course, naturally, like I do everything. 
But you're uh, an aspirational list maker. See, I'm I a to do have, I maker. I, I don't I create see. extra jobs. This is a glass half full thing for me. <laughs> um, I but but I anyway, so I go through the PlayStation store and I look probably a few times a month just to see if there's anything that's been added. Um, and I saw a game that I had wanted to play when it came out. And for some reason, I thought it came out this year, but I guess it was a year or two ago. And that's near Automata. Yeah, you've um, been you've spoken about that before, I swear. Yeah, and it's a it's a SquareSoft game, um, and so you know, makers of Final Fantasy. It's definitely nope, a. I'm out. Well, it's it's not like Final Fantasy though. It's not like Final Fantasy. It's not like uh, Kingdom Hearts. It is definitely much more of an action. It's I would I would uh, it's more akin to Devil May Cry. No, I'm uh, still out. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, it's more akin to Devil May Cry, but it has a deeper, extremely convoluted... Ah, convoluted's not the right word. Complicated story. Um, it's interesting, you know, we'll probably record again, you know, next month, and then I'll be able to tell you how it goes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, the story is interesting. It's what the game is known best for, and so I'm anxious to, to learn a little bit more about it. So before I go into explaining a whole lot, when I don't really have a lot to explain, uh, just that I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, the, me the mechanics are great in terms of like all of the things you basically, I think you're a robot or an Android. You play as a female, uh, protect or yeah, protagonist. And so your female character who has this robot that kind of flies behind you that you can incorporate into your tax, the robot shoots, you have like two swords, uh, and you have like a weak attack and a strong attack. And, and um, so being able to coordinate against multiple enemies is really, it looks cool. It, it flows really nicely. So uh, I'm enjoying the combat part of it. And, and uh, the story, they're kind of unfolding as you go. Um, you know, it's got, it also has, it's incorporated like two different genres into it. One of them is like the bullet, the, uh, oh, what it, what's the genre that the, the bullet hell you know the basically like a gradius or uh the games where you're a spaceship and they sh there are all these bullets that are being shot at you by like a big enemy over in the side and you have to maneuver oh, right, around okay, all yeah. of your bullets so it's like they have components like that where you're more or less in like a gundam spaceship where you know that can it's a it's a ship that turns into a robot and you're manning it and as you're flying around you're flying through all this this bullet hell uh, then you land and now it's a, it's an action platformer and it's, and it, the camera changes based on your terrain. So it's either a bird's eye view. It can be a side scrolling. It ends up being, you know, just long corridors. Uh, and your, the controls don't necessarily change, but the way you interact with the world around you kind of changes. So, and, but it flows really smoothly. It sounds like it would be odd or disconnected or disjointed. As it changes from side scrolling to narrow corridors, you know, uh, to uh, you know, just a plat action platformer, but it doesn't. It actually flows really nicely. And so, as I learn more, I'll tell you more about the actual story because I've tried not to spoil it for myself. Okay. Um, so I've been I've been playing that, but what I've played more than that is uh, something I, I started playing a couple weeks ago. I really just started playing Near Automata, but. Uh, on the Switch, when they released the Super Nintendo games, 
as a part of the the uh, you know your Nintendo online subscription service. Oh my God! It it is. I had forgotten how good the Super Nintendo was as a console, and how m- bad the NES is as a console. And, and bad's the wrong word. It's a. It was a good console to me. Probably the best console at that time. Super Nintendo was li- is light years ahead in terms of just what you're able to do, the engagement, just how engaging the games are. You know, one generation away, it's they are so much more fun, and they, they released 20 games right off the bat. And probably, I'd say close to half of them are actually really good, really fun games. And you can stream all of them. So you don't, there's no downloading them. You can play them as long as you're connected to the Internet. That's fantastic. And, and so I've been playing... Uh, Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid. I actually played two Kirby games. Uh, Kirby. I Super Ghouls and Ghosts and forgot that that game's impossible. Um, and so it's just, if it, if the $20 a, a year wasn't worth it before for the like the 50 uh, NES games that you could play, now you have 20 Super Nintendo games that are, it's absolutely worth the money. So... Um, they could have made it a hundred dollars, and you still would have bought it. You're probably right, but the fact that they didn't, it just has built some goodwill, especially with all of the kind of the BS that some of these the bigger publishers are pulling, especially Microsoft, uh, but Sony. Well, just some of the games that are sold on their platforms are doing as well. So Microsoft just seems to be, and I know Sterling did a video the other day about it, but. I don't enjoy playing the games on PlayStation. I mean, on on, uh, the Xbox as much as I do on PlayStation. It just seems much more... Much more about the entertainment. Much more about the games. Much more about, like, incorporating what the system was originally created for. Unlike the the Xbox, which... And you have an Xbox. So you might... You may may or may not see it the way that I do. Um... It just seems like it's much more for uh, integrating whatever you're doing to Mixer or maybe a social component, but but not necessarily. It's like 30% of it is for gaming. The rest of it is for everything else. I mean, I think I, I think that's how I use my Xbox, though. Like, it is my entertainment console. Like, so I use it for right. Netflix and YouTube and Sky TV and DirecTV and, you know like everything playing music playing games like pretty much everything but social media part of me just never got on board with integrating that with video gaming for me right and that may be just uh oh i would i would never say it was a generational thing um definitely not to you that it's you know that you may be the generation above that where you know everyone younger than you actually I, I mean, it's possible. Though. If anybody can see Amanda's face as I said that, I just wanted. To no, like, look, I can. You know, I got a Facebook account the year it was released to the rest of the universities. Like, you want to talk about original millennial? You're looking at her, but for me, OG. the OG, yeah. But for me, I don't feel like the content that I would create in a video game. 90% of the time is worth publicizing because most of the time I'm just doing what I want to do and that's not necessarily entertaining like you know in World of Warcraft I used to fish for like an hour I enjoyed the fishing 
It's zen-like. Fishing is zen-like. You know what else is zen-like? The cooking part of it. Yeah. I actually love the sound of the fire and how when you make it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I feel like all these kids on Twitch. Shouldn't that be what it's about anyway? Yeah. I just really get into my zone. And sometimes, like, I really find it difficult these days to do one thing at once. I've kind of developed some sort of device-related ADD. So, like, I'll be playing a game. I will, like, finish a segment. I'll go to turn in the mission, be standing in front of the contact, get distracted with something I remember that I need to do in the real life, be creating a diary note in my phone or whatever, and just, like, toggling my character so that it doesn't time out. Like, I will do that for, like, 30 minutes and then come back to it. Could you imagine if it was Twitch streaming? It's just me, like, doing little jerky character motions just to keep from timing out. (laughs) Like, nobody, like, that wouldn't entertain anyone. So I think, and also... A lot, a lot of my friends do not share gaming as an interest, or if they do, they're dudes and they only like sports games. So, or like really difficult shooters like Call of Duty and stuff. So we don't really play the same sort of things. So there's just no audience for that. It's not worth my time. I'd rather just enjoy it on my own. Right. Yeah. I mean, the effort that it would take to post that stuff, um, I, 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 too, play just for myself, but I kind of think that's kind of how it should be. Although I appreciate the ones that do play f- to entertain others because, I mean, I am in that I am in that that crowd that enjoys to watch specific people, not just anybody. There are specific people and specific types of games that I like to watch. I don't just like to watch games to watch games be played. Yeah, so. no, I like I like to watch Jim Sterling play games I am interested in. You know, I don't watch him play right. everything. And there are lots of other, you know, t- Twitch streamers and stuff where I like to watch them play yeah. games. I watch Jesse Cox. Yeah. I watch this, the Scary Game Squad, you know, uh, Ger- Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the completionist i watch them you know the him play i even watch uh oh what's the guy on on uh nickelodeon uh parker parker uh yeah i think we see different content served to us based on our regions most most like jacksepticeye is like always served to me who is jacksepticeye because he's in ireland ah fair enough yeah and like pewdiepie because he's here Right, right. Who I've never been a fan of. I mean, more power to him. Not that he needs any help or any viewers. Uh, he's got plenty, but I just never, he never appealed. I never, to, I never I enjoyed him. him when he was younger, but now that he's like, like our age, I kind of, well, my age, I kind of am into it more now. I think, you know, when yeah. he was younger, he was very much an obnoxious boy when I was right. a young sort of 20 year old woman it just was not the right audience <laughs> yeah but now he's yeah. he's yeah. an adult you know he's got he got married recently you know like he, the content yeah. he produces yeah. is, is quite a bit different from what it was before but tangents here we are we have gone on a tangent <laughs> what do you mean this has nothing to do with what we're talking about <laughs> um well, good. Okay. Well, that's what we've been. Man, that's all. That's what we've been playing. We haven't even got the news yet. Yeah, at least I don't have so, much news. Yeah, there's not a there's not a lot, uh, but I did have a couple things. So, uh, news. What news did you have? Well, news number one: Apple has finally released an ugly product, and I could not be more thrilled. I am not an Apple fanboy, 
by any like stretch of the imagination and right. I think their products are beautiful but on the whole overpriced and they finally released an ugly product with the iPhone 11 Pro it's hideous okay. it has three cameras on the back of it it looks like a Borg I think it's the grossest <laughs> design I've ever seen I don't understand the logic with beveling outward the camera so that the lens can get scratched by literally everything this boggles my mind like whoever designed it was losing their mind now it takes great photos it takes great videos but it also looks stupid as heck so I was very pleased. I watched the whole keynote address with absolute glee. Uh, and yeah, they released <laughs> their first hideously ugly product. And, you know, I'm just, I'm absolutely elated. Um, you know, I, I own pretty much all PC and Android devices. I do have Apple AirPods. They were given to me. They are ugly in and of themselves, but they're function is so much better than their form that you know whatever um <laughs> and so yeah elated about that um my other piece of news is that the church of england has made an official statement that uh, loot boxes are gambling and children should be protected from them and it's super unusual for the church to take a stance on popular culture and entertainment but because it's gambling but because it's gambling and gambling is against the rules of the Bible anyway um, right. you know I think I think it was good for them to explain why they felt like it violated the law and why people should be concerned about it and um, you know Jim Sterling did a piece on it but I did see the statement kind of in, in general news routers as well and I think that it was a very well articulated point if not a little bit on the fear-mongering side um, there was a couple statements about the fact that the corporations are based in other countries that I think maybe had some odd undertones to it um, but on the whole I think that the gaming industry and the gambling industry are becoming too similar and they you know the the gaming industry needs to step away from this path because um, it's just not good. That's my general statement. Not good. Not good. Well, uh, I would agree. Um, and I think we'll definitely have to hashtag this episode, Church of England Hates Loot Boxes. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I only have a little bit of, of news myself. Um, one, The Outer Worlds is releasing next month um i only say that and i say that this early is because that may be the last game this year that i'm really excited about playing that's like a big triple a title that also is a game that i'm most likely not going to finish but i so want to and i so have high hopes for myself um your right financial advisor needs to turn put a pin lock on your well i think of it this way this is how I think of it. And again, it, our taxes are different here. My expendable income may be a little bit greater, all things considered. But let's say... Not I a chance you have kids. True, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. But I allot a certain amount for myself, and it's usually a, a couple hundred dollars a month. And 
that's for me to like go out to eat someplace that I want to go out to eat or, or just pick something up or maybe buy $200 worth of Red Bull, whatever I want to do. Um, Living life on the which, edge. That's right. Well, uh, you know, games fall under that and, and uh, you know, $60 game is a lot, but I think of it as that might've been, uh, you know, a bar tab or, uh, yeah, but just think about if you got a $20 a month subscription and then you could use the other 40 on a bar tab. That's true. That is true. And play and, all again, the games you want. Cause I'm this pragmatic idealist. I'm well, I just think of it as I'm, I'm going to, if I, if I have the game, then because I've spent the money on it, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stay in because I don't really need to spend the $40 bar tab anyway. Okay. But it I could have been anything else. Anyway. Red Bull. So that you can play or Red Bull games. Or Red Bull. Or Red Bull. You know, like I, whatever it is, I'm substituting that because I think of it as, let's say I, even, I was going to go bowling 50 times. Uh, I, I, you're you know, not making a very good argument for why you should pay more it. money for games than you have to. I know it. Um, One of these days, well, I'm going to convince you to at least try it for three months. It will happen the day that you buy a Switch, probably. Look, don't even tempt me, all right? Because Switches are cheap over <laughs> here right now. That's true. And I actually think that of the two things, that might be the best. One of the best investments, especially as much as you travel. Yeah. I um, The Switch is one of the few Nintendo products that I would consider buying. In fact, actually, I almost bought a DS a few months ago because I was like, this would be brilliant on a flight. Yeah. Well, you'd rather have a Switch. It just does more. Well, so there you more. go. Yeah. And, and like everything, all of the games... They either come in a cartridge or you download them directly to the okay. system. Well, when I buy a Nintendo console, you have to do have a to. rental subscription for three months. Deal. It's it's on permanent record. Okay. Okay. Deal. Well, uh, my news is, uh, I, like I said, I had a couple things. Or one was the Outer Worlds. Uh, if you don't buy a Switch before then, I probably will have spent sixty bucks on it. Um, the other thing is I watched a video, of, I think it was Outside Extra, uh, which is uh, a YouTube channel with, uh, some, with Outside, it's a sister channel to Outside Xbox, which both are UK based. Uh, I love those guys. They are super funny. They, you know, they usually do lists. Yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I really enjoy watching their, their content, but um, they, did a, they did a video on the Apple Arcade. And it was 10 things about it. And, and they usually are positive about it. That's one of the things I enjoy, too, is that they're not shills, although I'm sure that they're paid or they have, um, you know, they have uh, sponsorships or, or because of their status, they get in to do things that a lot of other pages don't necessarily get to. Um, but nonetheless, I felt like whatever they were reporting was objective. And so or at least if it was subjective at all. I trusted their opinion um, that, uh, you know, when they started explaining what the Apple Arcade is, it intrigued me about it. So first, you know, Apple Arcade, very similar to what Stadia is doing in that it is it is its own subscription service where you can. Well, it's a, it's a it's a service where you can download the games directly from either, you know, this tech company like like Google. The difference is, is that with Stadia, you are supposed to be able to stream the games directly from their mega servers or whatever they're going to plan on doing. You cannot download them. With Apple, 
you can download the games directly to uh, your iPad or whatever. And it is compatible with Bluetooth controllers. So a Bluetooth PlayStation controller or a Bluetooth Xbox controller, these games are compatible with those. So even on your iPad, you can connect Bluetooth with your controller. And instead of playing it, which is like the worst, trying to play with some sort of haptic response on your on your touch screen, yeah. which never works. Having a having a controller, which is just the superior way of doing it, well, unless you're PC Master Race believer, and then it's the keyboard and mouse. But if if you're anybody else, then it's the controller. And uh, so I thought that was great that you can actually use either a PlayStation or an Xbox Bluetooth controller and actually connect to an Apple product and play these games. The downside is is you don't have any AAA titles on this, but the good side is is there are zero microtransactions in any game on the Apple. You know what? I respect that. Absolutely. I thought that that was fantastic. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, if Apple, I don't know if it's maybe they're just, you know, uh, making taking a stand and and uh, you know, really just standing up to I guess the the AAA industry that is made more money in the last, you know, in the last year than they made the year before that ever in the history of video games. Um, yeah, to just whatever you buy and you actually download them to your Apple product. So if you want to play offline, that's how they're that's how they're meant to be enjoyed. You download them on your iPad, you take it wherever you want to go and you can play it. Whereas on the, you know, the Google Stadia, you cannot download them. So if there's a hitch in the get along and you can't actually you know, your your internet connection can't keep up with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Well, you're just out of luck, you know. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And that's that was a to me, that was a good omen, maybe that uh, that the pendulum is swinging the other direction. Look, I think they've they're making a smart business decision to address a concern the market has and take a stance that is against the populace opinion so that's good look i think my reservations are are that in order to enjoy it you need to own an apple product or buy one and they're very expensive compared to the alternatives and you know i tend to prefer gaming on my tv where it's big and i can see it all so that's sort of is less appealing to me overall but you know, if I did have an Apple product, you know, like, a, you know, sometimes I get assigned Apple products for work, then maybe that would be an option for a business flight or something. So uh, I think it's cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely I'm all aboard. I, I think you have to have the Apple product, obviously, to uh, to be able to subscribe. So that's probably the only downside to you and I who have almost exclusively Android. How products. much is it? <laughs> It's uh, five bucks. I think it's four ninety nine a month. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. So yeah, I thought that was uh, that was pretty that was pretty cool to hear about. Yeah, that. so. that's cool. <clears throat> well, that brings us to our uh, main topic, our segment where we are uh, going to take a crack at uh, something that we did earlier this year. I think it was our first series of of episodes back in January. Hopefully uh, this creating. one will be less fraught with difficulty. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we are going to uh, create a Franken horror game. So using the same formula that we did with the Franken game, we are going to apply it to horror 
my least favorite genre. Well, my least favorite genre to play. Not my least favorite genre because I actually really kind of enjoy it. Just as long as somebody else is playing. Yeah, I like to watch other people watch play. It. Yeah. So if I were creating a game that I would love to watch somebody else play or that I know would probably terrify me, uh, these are the things that we would like to, to see in those games. So we're going to use the same categories, and uh, we're just going to start with the three, the first three like we did last time, uh, setting and ambience, uh, the genre, and then key mechanics that we'd like to see in our, in our made-up horror game. So, yeah. Yeah. So, setting and and ambience. What are your thoughts on your horror game? What would you like to see, or maybe just some of your thoughts? Well, I think I should start off by saying that I'm actually I'm taking this one quite seriously. You know, to create, uh, you know, some of the things we talked about last episode were fun. You know, you couldn't really build a whole game out of it. You know, we were just more poking fun at ourselves and our own phobias. But this one, I'd actually try to develop a full game that I think would be particularly terrifying. So I'm going to take a derivative spin off of one of the things I mentioned last time, which is uh, deep sea life in an underwater setting. So in my game you would be sort of Bioshock-esque in a rickety old first-generation submarine with one of those antique diving suits. Um, And it's just technologically advanced enough that you can get to the deep sea level. Um, But for whatever reason, it has a dystopian setting, like some sort of horrible trauma has happened on the surface and you've basically been put into this diving suit and this submarine as a way of sort of life preserving yourself kind of like uh, Moses in the basket you know they've floated you down river so to speak and you know that you can (laughs) never go to the surface so everything that you need to maintain the submarine to survive in a just eating, drinking, sleeping, diet, you know, just general needs, you need yep. to take care of in and, and of yourself underwater with whatever's there. So wreckage, creatures, you name it. That to me would be the setting and ambience for absolute horror because uh, the context would be that there are only, say, a handful of these life rafts that actually survived whatever it was so your chances of coming across another person are a extremely rare b the whole future of the human race presumably at stake (laughs) you know you do want to find other people because otherwise you will just die alone but when you find them you know are they friend foe that's sort of the dilemma that i would want to set up and 90% of the time you will be in complete blackness except maybe when you need to go to a slightly lighter level to maybe replenish oxygen supply because it's it's quite low the deeper you go down but you can't go all the way up to the surface because something bad happened there so maybe you're extracting the oxygen from slightly higher levels so but other than that you are in complete pitch blackness with all the creepy creatures and everything that's the setting and ambiance just desperation and isolation and sensory deprivation yuck yeah okay i'm just wrapping my mind around because i already 
am terrified of being down there in the ocean. <laughs> Large creatures that you can't and see. And they all got big old eyes. Um, and they do. Well, they got all the better to see you with. Um, so I'm going to cheat as I normally do. But I'm, I'm, I will eventually pick ah setting and ambience. But I was one of these fact. Uh, this is one factor is the th- the part of any one of these settings that I think would be terrifying. And I think that uh, when technology fails, so when technology is like the limiting factor in the uh, in the setting, that that can be used to be really scary. So in a setting like. That one of the horror movies that that I actually like, I will go back and revisit, but was always scary and and I think the suspense part of it is is really what I enjoyed the most. Jump scares and stuff are absolutely scary, but they're like my least favorite part. The suspense and thinking about like like there is an actual story, and then something like I'm not sure if it was The Conjuring or the one that had Ethan Hawke in it, where they summoned oh I'm, I can't remember. Anyway, it it was this story where they were figuring out basically, all, you know, at every turn, you're, they, they let, let you in on another clue. And at the end, you think they figured it out and it takes a twist and ends up the kids actually, spoiler alert, on a movie I didn't tell you the title to, the kids actually, uh, you know, possessed and ends up killing the parents, kills everybody. And, you know, it's terrible. It was like awful and it's, you know, kind of gut-rending but it but it also was a twist you didn't see coming or I didn't see coming and and so that's the kind of I I guess you could say I enjoy it as much as I can enjoy anything in the horror genre so when technology fails such as the movie vacancy the one where you have all of these characters that are at a uh they're they're stuck at this hotel each one of them has kind of a role they all got a story you don't know the whole story for any one of the characters throughout the story you learn a little bit about each one, but at the beginning, it seems like everybody's guilty of whatever, um, of something. Everybody's a little questionable. Even the the policeman is is questionable. Um, but it's limited in technology because of the storm. You can't get out. You can't use your phones. Everything has to be figured out on site in that area, and that that kind of gives you that claustrophobic feeling, kind of like I guess being underwater. Um, but also that, uh, you know. You can't just, there's no quick answer. You have to do kind of some legwork and some t- detective work and puzzle solving. And I think that's, that's interesting and it, and it, and it's, uh, and can be kind of exciting and, and, and definitely can be scary. So whatever genre I pick or whatever setting, it will be where technology limits your ability to kind of solve the problem. So even in the, in the West, uh, or like in the 1800s where, you know, like a Jack the Ripper type setting where you're in a detective or you're solving for maybe a serial killer or solving for something there there are but I can't you know I'm limited by my technology I don't just have like Batman's goggles where I can see fingerprints it's like you're gonna have to deduct the answer based on limited knowledge and limited resources so you know it it, it raises tension um so that, something kind of like that uh I think I think the scariest too is where you're dealing with actual people, human nature. So not a supernatural thing necessarily. Maybe somebody who thinks they're possessed by somebody or by a demon or something. But when you're dealing with people, that makes it real. And that's like there's this, you know. And if it's more plausible, the more to me the more plausible a scenario is, the more terrifying. 
It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's if it's you know if it's the evil within, well, you've got some nine foot tall person in this, you know, in this in this room full of meat hooks with you know alien type bodies and just you know nondescript meat hanging from the ceiling. Well, that's that's scary and off putting, but that's not real, you know. And so, um, so I'm thinking something along those lines, maybe the 1800s, uh, you know, uh, maybe in in the West. Uh, maybe something like I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the the Donner Party story? No. Okay. The short version of that is the Donner Party was a a relatively well off, well to do family, the Donners. Right. That with a number, a group of other families, paid um, a guide to get them through. I want to say the Rockies. Um, to get to maybe Oregon. It's not the Oregon Trail, but basically. It is a it's a path through the mountains and uh, maybe to get to Utah for whatever the purpose of the story. Look up the Donner Party for anybody listening. And if you want the real story, I'm going to butcher it. But the point is that during their journey, things go awry. They get they get hit by a blizzard and it splits the party. Half the party can go forward. Half the party is just woefully unprepared so the story about how their shoes deteriorate they don't have enough clothes they don't have money cannibalism eventually becomes involved and i mean just the terror that there are children that end up having to sort out which of the people they're going to end up having to eat or what part of a person Uh. they're going to have to eat it is awful and terrifying and to me that's like the worst when you're dealing with human nature and what humans are actually capable of, I think that to me is the scariest <laughs> that the, you know, that's the scariest uh, that it gets. I think that's, they, they kind of demonstrated that sometimes in the walking dead where ah, the walkers are bad, but people are the worst yeah. really in the end. People were much more of the villains. So I think that's kind of the setting that I'm thinking of, you know, sometime where technology, I mean the seventies could be, or the sixties, anytime, before now where technology can be limiting i think that that can provide for really uh, a really scary environment in the setting okay all right respect <laughs> i'm so, freaked out well anyway. that brings us no <laughs> well i've been watching i've been reading a book about uh the it's a really good book on um no i don't have it pulled up anymore i think it's by arthur frankel and it is, I'll tell you what it's called. It is called, oh, Victor Frankel, I apologize. Victor Frankel, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And the first half of the book, maybe more, is about his time in Auschwitz. And so it is a vivid account of like what happened and what was happening to him in his life while he was in a concentration camp. Yikes. And I can only imagine that the, the how terrible that was and would have been if you put yourself in their shoes. And so um, that was kind of an inspiration for this. Plus I listened to the Donner party and I've been watching mind hunters on Netflix, which is just searching for serial killers based on a true story. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my mind is in this place uh, for making this game. Sure. Um, But that brings us to the second category we want to talk about, which is genre. Well, genre um, obviously is going to be horror. horror uh, yeah. So I, I think I'm, we're going to focus more on tropes, so the sort of horror um, 
elements that are going to be common in the game based on kind of its setting and ambiance. Um, so for me, uh, because of the isolation and survivalist nature, then there's it's going to employ a lot of jump scares, which I find personally terrifying. I pretty much always jump. Um, <laughs> they all, they all are. And sure. then desperation, stroke, chase mechanics. So yeah, unexpected things happening um, that have unexpected consequences that are time sensitive. I always find stressed out by that in games. You know, like yeah. if something is leaking or you're running out of air or you're running out of food or, you know, maybe you caught some sort of creature and it's poisonous, you know, all that sort of stuff I would find like quite stressful. Um, and also chase stuff. So, you know, it, being in a foreign environment like the deep sea, being a strange object there, it is likely that you are going to be chased by any large predators that exist there. So just bringing in one or two of those elements where you're just, you know, floating around in your little submarine and suddenly you see a giant squid colossus eye that is bigger than the entirety of your submarine. Right. And it oh, decides yeah. to go for you. You know, like that, that would yeah. scare the crap out of me. So those are some of the tropes that I would work in to create the fear. I, um, I would like it to be similar. I want it to be, I think, a whodunit. I think that would be I definitely want your decisions to make a, a, a difference here, that there be some, um, puzzle solving there. There's dialogue. Um, I think that what would be what would be interesting or or uh, i think fun to watch fun for me to play my type of horror game would be one that doesn't necessarily have jump scares but definitely has creates tension sometimes just from the environment the mood the isolation of it in in terms of that um you know you could put this in in a, in a late 1800s western town that's a small town that's been isolated that's you know far from the rest of civilization where you're sent in to have to you know figure out what actually happened and you're going from house to house uh you may have a day night cycle but at night things seem to be weird maybe it seems supernatural but it's not um, you know, or, or maybe it is, but you don't know and you can't tell. And there's definitely something going on. Um, but that it's very, that, uh, that, um, that I guess just like the, the clue, the movie clue or the board game clue or whodunit, that whole vibe where you're trying to like a terrifying professor Layton from the Nintendo 3DS, uh, where you're actually having to. Uh, you know, there's their dialogue trees, which I, I know we're kind of getting or I'm getting ahead uh, to other mechanics and, and parts of the game that I'd like. But I think that whodunit vibe is the is the chief kind of genre that I would like. Okay. I think would, that would be I think that'd be interesting. So like a murder mystery horror, a murder mystery horror where I'd even I'd even like it to be in it. Well, I'll. I'll save that for later. Well, I mean, so don't yeah. ruin everything at once. They've got to come back for the next episode. 
that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one that we're going to go for is our key gameplay mechanics. So in your whodunit, what key gameplay mechanics besides like clues and stuff would you employ? Would you have like red herring, for example? Oh, absolutely. I, I'd have red herring. I'd have you'd have clues, uh, dialogue trees. Uh, you can make the wrong decisions. I liked a lot of what they did in L.A. Noir, where you had to kind of uh, you had to interpret. And I know that they did the best they could with the technology at the time, and they did a good job. But if you ever looked at, if you ever played that game, part of what they re- they asked you to do was interpret whether they're lying or telling the truth just by looking at their face. That was so hard. I and don't think I ever got that right. I got it wrong all the time, you know. And so something like that uh, where you're having to interpret maybe maybe because of the clues you got. And I would, I'd, I'll flesh this out over the course of building this game. But um, you can tell that they're not telling the truth by some other means. And maybe that's because of some RPG elements that you've added where maybe you have insight better than others. But because of that, you lose some of your dialogue options or you have dialogue options that help you kind of flesh out the story, get people like charisma that might help you get more information than they would otherwise divulge to somebody who had less charisma. You know, Um, you have, you know, you have uh, a, you know, a, an ability to to seek or to find clues uh, because of a thorough nature that others don't have. So because of that, clues pop out to you uh, and that, you know, you're able to put together puzzles or or pick up items. Uh, so you're adding like maybe um, point and click adventure type mechanics with uh, and, and puzzle solving mechanics with, you know, RPG dialogue tree options with a little bit of um, maybe action adventure where I'm, you know, Nathan Drake going from building to building. It is third party over the shoulder, but when I go into a conversation, it's their face. And so it's much more intimate, but there could also be, um, there will be other elements, you know, to make it to where it's not just a walking simulator over the shoulder. It's actually the, the, the threat and risk of something dangerous and, and your character dying is, you know, present all the time. Um, so, you know, kind of, I guess, if you were looking at the game and hadn't played it, it would look like, uh, you know, Uncharted or Red Dead Redemption or Resident Evil. That you've got that third person, you know, over the shoulder. But you're also picking up clues, picking up items, um, putting those together to solve puzzles. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Okay. Very what about cool. you? Uh, I think for me, it would be a key gameplay mechanic would be the inability to use walkthroughs. And that would mean that you couldn't anticipate the results of any of your actions. So all of the items or creatures or people that you interact with the world would have a random characteristic added. So you never would be certain from one gameplay to the next what's going to happen. So every time you create a new character, let's say you like salvage a wreck, 
that wreck could be wood, it could be metal, it could have things that are useful, it could have some sort of toxic lichen growing on it that kills you. Um, everything <laughs> would be completely randomized so that no one could provide a successful walkthrough. And so, you know, whether you survive or not depends on your risk taking and decision making. Um, and also so that for people who create um, gaming content, no one Twitch switch stream would have the same um, outcomes over the course of gameplay. So, you know, a, a, an NPC that one person got could be friendly, could share resources, could even, you know, be interested in joining with the survivor to take on things together. Uh, or it could also be a bandit or a serial killer or somebody who takes all your stuff and runs off. Um, so I think, uh, or you could go through a whole play and, and like never find anybody. I think that would make it a very jarring and uncertain experience kind of adding to the horror element. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was just trying to think if if there were anything, any other mechanics that I'd like to add. And I was thinking along with what you said in my character creation, like when you, um, I, I would like them to have, I don't want them to be like indestructible. You know how you, you are the jack of all trades. You know, you're Batman. You basically can fight anyone, but you're also the world's greatest detective. Well, I'd like you to be a great detective, but kind of like um, Johnny Depp was in that in that movie about Jack the Ripper. Basically, he's or or maybe he was Sleepy Hollow. I can't remember. He played the same character in both movies. Um, that you he was he was really good at the science part of it, or maybe even kind of BSed part of the science part of it. But he was a coward else otherwise, you know, and basically was not a fighter, and so when there are threats in the game, if you choose to build a character that might be more form formidable in, in, in uh, defending themselves, well, you definitely lose some of the other, um, you know, maybe more attractive detective skills. And then if you're really good at the detective skills, well, then maybe you're not quite as good at the other. And so maybe there's some sneaking or, or some, uh, some uh, stealth mechanics like, uh, and I would say the majority of the game needs to be along those lines because you're brought in for those reasons, not because, you know, you're here to kill the criminal, but because you're here to find out, get to the bottom of whatever this issue is. And I think um, in the game The Last of Us, they do a really good job of this, creating that tension where the clickers are so formidable that you want to avoid them. Like you, you're, you don't want to engage them ever if you can help it. Whatever you can do to get around them is what you do. And so even though you are someone who could, in, you know, in theory, take all of them out if you had enough weapons, the process of doing it is just so undesirable because, well, it just makes the game a lot longer and it's super stressful. If you accidentally get attract more than one, well, then you're dead. Kind of so like you alien have to take isolation. Them out one at a time. Much like alien isolation where it's like you'd rather just... Once it moves on, you need to move on. 
And as soon as you can get around them, you do. And so anytime you can avoid confrontation, to me, that builds up the tension. I think that's probably why Alien Isolation is such a good game and why I'll also uh, never play it. Because I did not last how long good in that game, man. That was scary. No. <laughs> so I think I think we're on on pace to uh, create a, a a scary game. This game may be even better than our Franken games that we created before. Which uh, it's possible you know, we're getting good you, at this. Holler, holler when you when you want to make them uh, game. To, yeah, game we'll developers. license you the idea. Don't you worry. Absolutely not a, not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your favorite podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.